Blog Talk Radio. She says, look baby, I'm a rock star. Grabs my old guitar. Playing it upside down. Dancing around in front of our TV. Can't see the ball game. So I just wave my light around and say, you rock on baby. I'd rather watch you anyway But when you're done Can I come backstage And get you to sign your name On that Zeppelin shirt of mine you wear I've never watched that thing again Yeah, she's my kind of crazy Little game she plays over
on the on the north side of a three year anniversary. There's two ways to get on the show. You can come on as a guest or you can come on and do an ad. You can send me your ad and I will I will play it for you. And what you do is you contact me at off the chain radio at yahoo dot com and I'll give you all the particulars but I don't run ads to get rich because God knows I don't get rich. It's $10 for a month, whether I have five shows in that month, whether I have 30 shows in that month. And normally I have four shows a week, so you do the math. But if for some reason, because my husband is very ill, if for some reason I have to reschedule a show, I roll your ad over. So you, you're going to win either way. And and with us being heard in over 200 countries, ladies and gentlemen, and all the podcasts we're on, which is podcast.com, podcast garden, iTunes, YouTube, fm.com, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and now we're on Spotify, plus the archive show itself. Why would you not want to be heard? I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Why would you not want the opportunity to be heard in places like Iran, Iraq, Israel, Egypt, South Africa, Nigeria, Portugal, Spain, um, England, Wales, Australia. Thank you, Australia. Y'all are our biggest listeners on this show. New Zealand, Greece, Italy, Sweden, the Netherlands, Switzerland, Scotland, Ireland. That's just the ones that I can remember. Germany. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your opportunity to be heard in, in places that you would never, ever have the opportunity to be heard. So contact me at offthechainradio at yahoo.com, either to run an ad or to be on the show. And before we get started with tonight with, with the return guest, she's been on a couple of times and we have so much fun on the show, I want to start the show off with two sponsors that have been with me for a long, long time. In fact, one of them, because of this show and her ad on this show, her books went on the top, 100 bestseller. I think she even hit number one on the Australia Amazon. Her name is Diane Moe. She has a series of books, and they're called the Sam Holden series. The first in the series is called Dog Gone, and the second in the series is called Dog Fight. And the the synopsis for Dog Fight goes like this. Wherever a helpless animal whimpers in the dark and wherever the system fails to protect said animal, she'll be there, and she is not giving up anytime soon. So you've been warned. When Sam Holden receives a tip about a brutal dog fighting ring, she embarks on some of her most dangerous acts of vigilanteism yet. The monster known as the puppeteer circles Sam's world as she unknowingly circles his. While they chase each other, Sam puts those she loves most in harm's way in order to break up the ring. With time running out and animals in need, the dangerous life Sam created begins to eclipse any other life she could ever lead. Both of those books, ladies and gentlemen, are on Amazon Kindle. No, you can't go get them now. You have to wait till after the show. The second sponsor, who has been with me for a while, and I absolutely adore her. I've been on her podcast. Her name is Cece Chamberlain. She has a podcast called Inside Your Life with Cece, and it is a motivational, passionate conversation. Cece interviews people who are truly living their true purpose, whether it's a professional boxer, an author, a history enthusiast, Cece doesn't care. What she strives for is to give you a better a hope for a brighter day with her inspirational words. So download, subscribe, and listen as Cece guides you to pursue your dreams for you to live your best life. Her podcast can be found on podcast.com, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else podcasts are available. So see, ladies and gentlemen, how easy it is to get an ad on the show. You can either send me one that's already recorded in MP3 format, or you can send it to me in written form, and I will read it. Of course, I'll put my own little spin on it, but that's what we do here at Off the Chain. I will be running a couple of more ads with our sponsors, which I absolutely adore. But until we get to that, tonight our guest is author Thomas S. Mulvey. His given name is Paul Hurd. And he spent most of his childhood growing up on a dairy farm a few miles north of Cassville, Missouri. And when the chores were done and playtime came, because his siblings were much older, than he was, Paul found that his imagination was his greatest ally, which allowed him to create cities and characters in his mind. The first story he wrote was about one of the cats on the farm. 
He made the cat into a human being, and when he got a typewriter for Christmas, more stories just poured out. It was like a madman. That was just the beginning of a lifelong career as a writer. After Paul graduated from Cassville, R-4 High School, he attended Crowder College and majored in business and automotive technology. After leaving college, he went back to his first love writing, starting with several articles in various automotive magazines. This led him to his first book, Chevelle SS Restoration Guide, that was published by Motor Books International. Nine other titles would follow with his publisher before Paul would venture into the publishing field himself and start his own company, PAH Publishing. With, Paul, with his own company, Paul would author under many different pen names more than 20 other titles. In 2015, that call came back to creating stories. See, I can't read tonight. And under the pen name Thomas S. Mulvey, he would author and publish his first novel, Blood Necklace, a murder mystery set in his hometown of Cassville, Missouri. It centers on former Kansas City homicide detective Rick Ryder, whose high school sweetheart is murdered at Roaring River State Park, and he returns to Cassville to solve. But what he finds is a twisting tale of lies that will change his life forever. If I could get my tongue untwisted, I would welcome Paul. Welcome. How are you, my dear? I'm doing great. Well, thank you for putting up with my tongue being tied up in knots. I just washed it and can't do a damn thing with it. <laughs> <laughs> Mine gets that way too, so don't worry about it. So we're gonna we're gonna step back in history just a little bit. I know we've covered this before, but I think it's important for people to understand that we as as writers and authors, we don't just step up to the plate and and start writing one day. We most of us take journeys and have to take detours and do other things. And one of the one of the detours that you took is you went home and took care of your ailing mother, did you not? Yes, yes. She had rheumatoid arthritis uh, severely, and I just it was either I'd put her in a nursing home or stay there and kind of put my life on hold and take care of her. So I did that. Do you regret? I don't think regret is the word because I don't think we ever regret looking after our loved ones. But if you had it to do over, and, and knowing you like I do, I, I know the answer to that. Would you do anything differently? No, I don't. I don't think so. I I'm a firm believer that it's life's like a a journey going down a road. If you take a different exit, you're not going to get to the same place that you are now. So. I don't think if I did anything different, I don't think I'd be doing, wouldn't be a writer or whatever. So I wouldn't have met my wife and everything else. So it all changed. And and the fact is that what, and the reason I bring it up, and we talk about, I think, every time that we do the show, but it's important, I think, because you and our old school, we we were raised the old way where one took care of family. You just did. You you didn't pawn them off on the state. You didn't throw them away because they held the keys to wisdom that we as the youngins needed to learn. Would that be a fair statement? And that would be a real fair statement, yes. And it they also you, being being a person with arthritis, and mine is not rheumatoid, but there are days that if I could cut my body parts off, I would. But rheumatoid arthritis, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who do not understand what it is, it is a very crippling disease that literally deforms the fingers and the toes and other body parts, and it's very, very painful. It, it, some days it's painful to, for people to even touch you. So with your mother having that as she aged and as the disease um, advanced, you had to probably feed her and everything else, right? Uh, yeah, in the latter part, I mean, of it, you know, I mean, in the last, probably the last year of, for her life, yeah, I had to kind of feed her and everything. I mean, she couldn't even get a fork up to her mouth or anything. 
and then it got in her jaws so she couldn't chew hardly anything. It just had to be kind of, if you fixed like a piece of chicken, it had to be put to a blender or whatever or a food processor to, for her to eat it. So. Oh, bless her heart. That was advanced. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, and, and what what Paul did while he was there with her like he said, his his life was put on hold. This man was on a fast track. We don't know where he was going, but he was on a fast track to go somewhere and do great things. But he wound up doing even greater things because being there with his mother, he pulled out that old typewriter and started writing, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's, that's what I did. I thought, okay, I got some books at the library that told you, you know, how to write and how to submit articles and and I submitted a bunch of different kinds and got rejected over and over and the old thing of write what you know about come back so I wrote a article about how to spot a genuine 69 Z28 and that got published and <laughs> all I'd had to do is see my name and that done it so that byline you were, was, you were bit by the bug yes yeah. And and the reason I go back the reason I go back and 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 talk about this history is number one it's very important because it has put you where you are today and and you you've sort of come full circle which we'll get to in a minute but you were able to reconnect with people that you had gone to school with that you knew that you were able to reform and like I said you met your wife so yeah. when when people say, well, what, what is in it for me, and there's some out there that say that, what is in it for me? I don't have time to look after my parents. I don't have time to do this because I'm so busy doing other things. Would it be fair to say that they have cheated themselves out of some very valuable life lessons and, and maybe they wound up take, would wind up taking a different and better path? They may have. I mean, that's like I said, it's just... You know, each time you you do something different, you're going to alter the path that you're getting there. So you're going to change everything about you. So I'd say they do cheat themselves, actually. Well, and on many levels, because once that person is gone, you're going to do one of two things. You're going to say to yourself, I did everything I possibly could, or you're going to say, I should have, would have, could have. Because once they're gone, you can't get them back. You can't raise them from the dead and say, okay, let's have a do-over. There's no mulligan in life. Once it's done, it's done. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Yeah. And and so when I hear people say, well, I wish I had, I want to say, well, dumbass, you should have thought about it to begin with. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And when my mom was here, she was probably my greatest cheerleader there was, so. I mean, she was always, uh, you know, encouraged me to try, try again. And when the second article I got was published, she was even that. And, and then when I got the book contract for the, the Chevelle book, she, yet she had uh, arthritis and stuff. She tried very hard to sit there and call all of her friends to come and to tell them what happened. So, Wow. See, ladies and gentlemen, this this is this is why we do this show because we find out things. That Paul's mom and and for her to die and uh, no, we didn't have that. She didn't have a cell phone. I guarantee you, she had probably a rotary dial phone or a push button. But as crippled as she was, she believed in her son so much, and she wanted him to succeed so much, and she was so proud of him that that she called her friends to come and say, look what my son did. Now, that's love. Paul would not have had that memory if he hadn't have been there looking after her. That's something you can carry with you. And on days when you have brain farts and can't write a lick, you can remember that, and that will jumpstart you to write again. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, I kind of use that kind of a the you know the love of my mom i kind of use that in my my stories because my character uh he grew up basically that 
on his own, really. His dad was not the greatest dad. He would leave and and with another woman and be gone for months at a time. And and then when his mother was there, and then I've you know he kind of bonded to her only. And then I've got it to where in the background it. She died when he was 12, and he kind of just went on and raised himself. So it's that kind of a kind of the way it was with my mom is the way I put it with his. So I just use that kind of stuff. Well, and and it makes the book more it makes the books more personal when when you use a backstory like that, and it's also probably a little bit of keeping you close to your mother. Because you can, re- even even though the story is fiction, there are those little, we call them nuggets that you drop in there that are memories that are back there in your mind that you can place in the story. And, and then your main character becomes part of you and your mom becomes part of the book. So you've woven it all into one nice, neat little package. Yeah, that's kind of the way it was, yeah. See, lady, we find out all kinds of things, ladies and gentlemen, on this show. It is absolutely amazing. This is why y'all are so successful. And, and Paul, you're you're part of the reason we're at 120,000-plus listeners just on the show because you keep coming back with all these wonderful little nuggets and all these wonderful books. Now, if if somebody said, okay, I've read all of, all of Thomas Mulvey's books, but I want to read under his other pen name. Are any of those still in print? Uh, yeah, they're all available uh, and on Amazon and stuff. And so what so, would they look up if they if they they wouldn't look under Thomas Mulvey because you wrote under other pen names? What other pen names did you write under? I used a lot of my relatives. I uh, used uh, well, I used my late father-in-law. He was a board guy, so I wrote a a. Uh, uh, restoration guide for uh, Torino and Cyclone under his name. That was Carl Eden. And uh, I have a junior, or John R. Miller. That was my cousin, uh, who goes back to the first time I ever got into muscle cars that made my living with that that way. That was him, and he passed away when I was real young, so... That's kind of a memory to him too. So those kind of memories. You can probably go on to Amazon, just put in the, like PAH Publishing, and anything comes up on that's mine. So. Well, let me ask: What made you write about muscle cars and Chevelles? I know you said it was things that you knew. Did you did you work on them? Did you drive them? Did you? Well, of course you drove them because it was back during that time. Were they a passion of yours? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. Oh, yeah. I was the guy in high school that all the other guys could come to and go, okay, what what was this car about and everything. I was kind of the car geek, I guess you'd put me. And that that was back when you could work on cars with a wrench, a screwdriver, and a, and a ball-peen hammer if you had to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was no computers <laughs> and, and and stuff like that. I mean, it's I used to give a, that old I used to have a 71 Dodge Charger, had a 440 in it, and, uh, yeah, I'd work on that thing probably every weekend just to make it run just a little bit faster and a little hotter. And, and, oh, my uh, word. Yeah, I remember one time working on a on a 1972 Gran Torino Sport, and I was about nine months pregnant, and I was hanging over the the inside of it, I forgot what I was fixing, but I was fixing something, and and the children's daddy was going, what are you doing? I said, well, you can't get your hands down there, so I'm working on it. (laughs) I think I was putting a gasket cover on or something. Oh, yeah. And it was was simple to put together. It wasn't like it is now where you've got to have a a degree of a Philadelphia lawyer and two doctors just open the hood. That's kind of it, yeah, Uh, because we – our car here, I was going to do a tune-up on it, and I thought, okay, I can't, because you've got to have access to the computer and mm-hmm. everything to do it, too. So it's oh, not the same really, thing as the old cars. I had put my car in the shop. Now, I've got a 2004 Suburban, 
and I needed a rental so that I could get my husband where I need to get him if I need to get him somewhere. So they put me in this cracker box and called it a SUV, but it was more like a tin can, and they didn't bother to tell me a very important thing. So I get to a red light, and I put on the brake, and the car goes dead. Mm. And I said, this isn't good. So when the light started, I went to, I put my foot back on the the gas to crank it, and it cranked back up. They didn't bother to tell me that when on these new cars, that when you put your foot on the brake, the car goes dead, and when you put your foot back on the accelerator, it cranks back up. It's supposed to be a gas-saving thing. And my yeah. comment to the to the mechanic was, and what the hell happens when it doesn't crank back up and you're, you're in the middle of traffic? Yeah, yeah, especially in the bad part of town or something. That would really be bad. <laughs> exactly. It, it, to me, they have gotten so smart, they're dumb as a bag of rocks. Because for years and years and years and years, for 40 years, I drove a manual. I would go back to a manual tomorrow if it was just me again. Yeah. And it took me forever to find that manual because they don't make them anymore. No, you're talking even Ferraris and stuff don't even have that way anymore, so... I don't understand. And, and ladies and gentlemen, if you've never driven a manual, they are the safest car on the road. Number one, you can drive them in any weather. Number two, if you you don't have to slam on the brakes to stop, all you have to do is take your foot off the off the clutch, and the damn thing dies. So you're you're not gonna just take your foot off the clutch. You're not gonna hit anybody. But I don't. But then they want to put me in something that that it dies when you stop at the red light. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think so. So, so see, yeah, we need to go back to the simpler times of the Chevelles and the Torinos and the and the Ford Fairlanes (laughs) and the Mustangs, and those cars had character. Oh yes. Yeah, that's why I kind of let my character. He has, he has one of the classic cars, and and I kind of. I created it as what it was. Is it's not. It was never built, but it was what might have been if it continued. This design continued on. So. Ooh, see, ladies, we find out all kinds of things on this show. I'm going to run a couple ads right quick, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about Ryder and Alex and 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 the people that that. I have grown to love in in your two books because you've just released a new one. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, Paul Adam Hurd, who writes under Thomas S. Mulvey. And we will be right back. Do you have cougars on your porch swing? (coughs) Are horses your new best friend? Do your nicest shoes get buried knee-deep in snow as your toes turn blue? Are you bothered by wolves at your woodpile? No, not that kind of wolf. Join wildlife artist and author Nancy Quinn and her family as they discover an exciting new life in Go West, Young Woman, a true Montana adventure. Available online and in bookstores. Or visit quinnwildlifeart.com for a personalized signed copy. Critics agree. It's a hoot. Hi, this is Winona and Jade inviting you to join us and our wonderful guests on the And I Thought Women's Cave podcast on Blog Talk Radio to learn more about our books, the And I Thought series, and the Misfit Guides. They're available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNobles.com. Or just to see what your ladies are up to, you can find all of that out on www.andwethought.com. So peace and love from Winona and Jade and our books. <laughs> you so silly. silly. You silly. Remember Did you write that? That's funny. <laughs> Remember to visit us at andwethought.com. 
And we are back. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, Paul Adam Hurd, who writes under Thomas S. Mulvey. And we're just getting into his releases. He has written, he's writing a series of books. The first in the series was Blood Necklace, right? Or was it Blood Curse? Blood Necklace is the first, yes. Blood Necklace. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I read that book because I read all of his books. And I'm going to tell you what, that book has such a twist to it, I couldn't even figure it out. And I'm pretty good at figuring out books because of the way my mind works. But I could not figure this book out. And it it's it's an amazing book. I want to read, if I can get there, I want to read the synopsis, and then we're going to talk a little bit about how he got there. It has been three years since former Kansas City detective Rick Ryder resigned from the force after win, winning the biggest lottery jackpot ever. He thought the game was over. However, his life is about to get turned upside down. While he is at Arrowhead being toasted by the royalty of the city, his former childhood sweetheart and now the wife of the Speaker of the House, Annalisa Warner, is found murdered in his sports car at Roaring River State Park. Now he is drawn back into the game of murder when he returns to his hometown of Cassville, Missouri, to find out who murdered her. The only clue that he has is a secret note that was written by Annalisa that he can't decode. Helping him with the investigation are his old classmates and Annalisa's younger sister, whose hatred for her brother-in-law and her affection for Ryder caused her to turn on her own family. Wait a minute. Come on. Come on down. It won't let me read more. It wants to take me off. And what happened to to her own family and her pursuit of the truth and what happened to her sister. Now, just as a backstory, tell the folks how this came to be. Uh, it comes to be that Ryder has just, he went, he uh, had just gotten through with uh, investigating and finding this brutal serial killer called the Kansas City Butcher. And it put him to the point of where he's high society, everybody's wanting to interview him on Fox and MSNBC, everybody just wanting to view him, interview him. And then he gets to another case that he runs into political strife with the city people and what he thinks is what's done right. They want to kind of sweep this other crime under the rug and he throws his badge down and walks out and with that last dollar he buys a Powerball ticket that happens to be worth the billion dollar payoff and now he uses this money to use to uh, uh, investigate crimes for people who can't afford it and he only charges a dollar a day. And it goes back to the spending the dollar for the lottery. See the play on that. The, the subliminal message is it goes back to spending the dollar on this on the lottery ticket. It just hit me. Yeah. Yes. That and and ladies and gentlemen, this book is so. What Paul does is he takes his character through so many twists and turns that I sat up just about all night reading it. I, the next time I talked to him, I told him it was his fault because you cannot put it down. Then he turns around and he writes Blood Curse, which is the second in the series. And it goes, a serial killer is loose in Eureka Springs. When Ryder receives a rose, he is taken back to a time when Kansas City was held in terror by a sadistic serial killer known as the Kansas City Butcher. Once again, the same notes with the same childlike handwriting are appearing again, this time in the cozy Arkansas town of Eureka Springs. There's only one problem. Writer and Special Agent Isabella Alexander caught and put the Kansas City Butcher away. Is this a copycat killer or is the Butcher back? Now, 
tell us about that one because there's there's a reason I'm I'm leading you through these two to to come up to the third one. How did this one come about, and why did you put him in Kansas City? Uh, I don't know really. I was looking for the fact of for Kansas the the city. I wanted him to be. Well, he was born, you know, and raised in the Ozarks down here in this area, which is more small towns, and everyone's close-knit and knows everyone. And uh, I wanted to put him in a bigger city when he went off to be a homicide detective where he would see more of the the gore and the murder and violence of it. And I, I always just liked Kansas City. I always thought Kansas City was a very beautiful city and but it's one just like any other city you get on the wrong side of the the tracks or the wrong side of the city you you may not come back so kind I just of used it that really. way yeah and, and when i when i'm when i'm thinking of this book i'm thinking of the song kansas city i'm going to kansas city yeah i'm, I'm probably dating me and and paul here but go go and look it up ladies and, and then read the book now Paul just released the third in the series. I don't know how many this man's going to do, I guess, until he kills Ryder off. But he just released the third in the series. And before I talk about it, Paul went, I saw where you posted a, a comment on your page where you said that you were looking at Google Maps for places to hide a body and you were hoping that the police didn't come get you. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's for the, the fourth one's coming up. I was uh, looking for my, because it takes place back on my, uh, my old college, Crowder College in Neosho. And I said, I'm the only person I know that goes back to their their, you know, their old school and looks for a place to put a body, and so. But luckily, the, that they know how crazy I am, and they didn't <laughs> think anything about it. So. <laughs> well, this one that he just released—it's called Bloodstained City, and. This one is interesting because, once again, Paul was doing research. And while he's doing research, we, as, as writers, we, we do research on some strange things. And while he was doing research, he was looking over his shoulder because he, once again, was afraid there was going to be a black van parked in front of his house. The name of this book is called Bloodstained City, and once again, writer's in trouble. It goes ripped right from today's headlines. A friend is murdered right in front of Rick Ryder's eyes in the middle of Kansas City, and he agrees to take on the case. But when another victim falls to the bullets, Ryder fears the worst. A sniper is loose in the city, and the city becomes gripped with fear as it appears the killer is a Kansas City police officer. What his investigation finds is a twisted tale of murder, terrorism, and political intrigue. Can Ryder find the killer before it costs him everything he holds dear and keep the city of fountains from becoming the blood-stained city? Now, tell the folks about the research on this book. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, the research is, is that the killer uses a Russian sniper rifle, so I was happened to uh, uh, go in and dig in to all the kinds of the, the sniper rifle that the Russian army uses. So I'm sure that lit up something somewhere in, in the <laughs> FBI or Homeland Security or something. Uh, then there's a backstory into it that is the fact is that the terrorism is it's a group of people who want to uh, kind of overthrow the Israeli government by uh, making uh, $30 billion worth of counterfeit bills and then get, push them into Israel, and people will be afraid to use if this is real money or not, and and they they won't buy anything, and that will collapse the economy of Israel. So, and the, and the fact... 
some backstory. You and I talked about this briefly before we went live. This really happened, but it wasn't in Israel, correct? It happened in Germany. Yeah, it was going to happen, actually. Uh, what it was, was is that uh, Nazi Germany was, uh, they had taken uh, people who were the artists and the engravers and such, that were the Jews, they took them and the jeweler makers and all, and they took them and put them in this special kind of a con- concentration camp. And they were not treated like the rest of them. They were treated with care and kindness because they wanted them to make these counterfeit plates for uh, both American and uh, British pounds. And they were going to drop all these fake money into the country, especially like England, and that would cause the same thing with the economy. But uh, what would happen was that the Jewish people wouldn't uh, cooperate. They kind of drug their feet and pushed it on through, and by the time they got done, the American American forces freed the camp, so it didn't happen, but it was going to happen, so... What what made you, because we know that terrorism and sniping and, and snipers and, and political intrigue are the hot buttons of the day. I mean, it's splattered all over the headlines every day. There's always something going on. What made you take your character in this direction? I really don't know. I mean, it's just something that came to me in that middle of the night, you know, it's just those kind of ideas. I tell them kind of God moments, you know, it just kind of just says, do this, let's go here. And it was, the fact is that I didn't even know about this thing with the the Germany thing until I started going, okay, how can, how can this happen if you flood the market of a country with uh, fake money and people are afraid to use it, well, what will happen? And then that's when this this uh, uh, operation for the Nazis came up, and I thought, okay, if they did it, that it might work that way. So, and, What made you pick Israel? Uh, because of the, you know, some of my, my characters in there, uh, you know, Yakara and her family are Jewish, and... Uh, they had this back. I was wanting their backstory, and I I didn't know exactly where it come from, and I kind of went that way. And I thought, okay, there's some kind of connection with Israel and the Jewish people, and uh, this went that way. And it was it's easier actually to counterfeit American money than it would be to counterfeit the Israeli money. It's really different colors and preaching. Uh, you know, denomination, and it's different sizes of bills and everything. It's really unique. And in your research, because you you took this book, and I haven't even read the book yet, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm going to, but I know, Paul, you stretched yourself in this book because would it be safe to say not only did you have to research snipers and 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 their um, training to be able to to shoot like they do. You had to research their sniper rifles. You had to research Israeli money. You had to research counterfeiting. You had to research counterfeiting Israeli money. Then you probably did some research on the Jewish culture, the Jewish faith, and how they interact as a family unit, and there's different um, different Jewish cultures. You have, you know, the the modern, the orthodox, the super orthodox. How long did it take you to do all this, and how deep did you go? Oh man, it it start. I started basically when I got through with Blood Curse. I kind of took a couple weeks off, maybe three, and then started on that one. And it took me over a year in research and writing it. Because uh, I was pushing probably ten, twelve-hour days just to get it done. Because there was a lot of people wanting it for Christmas. I mean, it was that kind of a thing. So I got it done. I think the week before Christmas. So, uh, but did, yeah, I went ex- deep into the research of it. Did you feel like you learned a lot? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I learned, you know, the the faxes and to uh, what it was with the Jewish culture and everything. It's you know they're they're totally different of why the things that they do and why they do it, and it, it's very interesting. Now, are you going to, do you see in your future, taking some of that research and weaving it down the road into another into another book? Because it would seem like a waste, uh, it, it seems almost like it's sinful to let that sit there and not use it again all the time and effort you put into that. Oh, I'm sure of that, yes. Uh, and the fact is that, of course, writers... Um, you know, I mean, as you know, and uh, without giving too much away, it's the, the Yakara and Ryder get closer together, and and they and they just get closer and closer as each with each book. So he's bonded in with the 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 Jewish culture too now because getting involved with a Jewish girl, and which is a, basically a no no in kind of the religion wise. So. That's true. So, okay, now let's fast forward a little bit. You finished that one. It's it's out, and ladies and gentlemen, it's called Bloodstained City, and no, y'all can't go get. You're now researching and working on a the fourth book in the series. And the yes. fourth book, ladies and gentlemen, takes place at the college that Paul graduated from, Crowder College. But before Crowder College, Paul, tell the audience what it was. It was the best-kept secret that everybody knew about. Tell them what it was. It was a military base. It was founded in, in, the, in World War II as a military base to train uh, uh, the Army personnel in the Signal Corps. Uh, it was... Uh, over 40,000 acres and they took from the the people there the farmers and everything and they built everything up and but the thing is that probably everybody knows about this place is that it was a backdrop on it was used for uh the Dick Van Dyke show the character there he supposedly met his wife uh, Laura there, Robin Laura met at Camp Crowder, and the facts are that uh, that Carl Reiner, who created uh, the Dick Van Dyke Show, actually did serve at at Camp Crowder during that time. Plus, it's also how everybody in the world knows it's Camp Swampy. It's Beetle Bailey. Beetle Bailey's creator, he too was stationed at Camp Crowder during World War II, and uh, his inspiration came from the Army base there at uh, Camp Crowder. So, and to further go on, that after the the base was closed and after World War II and all, uh, there was Rocketdyne uh, Air Base, the uh, Air Force base there. Was where they made parts and put the, put together the Apollo uh, engines that blasted the rockets off to the moon. So did not know that. Yeah. Every time I talk to you, I learn something different. So then they made it Crowder College. Yeah, in 1963 they pulled everything away and took all the buildings down and and these buildings that were part of Camp Crowder were the last part of the uh, army barracks that were going to be where uh, the officer quarters were going to be and in 1963 they turned it over and it became uh, the a junior college where you could go and and that way so so Paul it, goes to Crowder College and he graduates and then you went did you go back for a reunion or just back to visit or No, they had a uh, author symposium uh there that they have every every year so far now. Uh that it's for the people the local authors and especially the the ones who were students there and then went on to be writers because my friend Leanne, she's uh 
was also there, and and it, it was it was great seeing her that way, and and that's where I also told the guy that the the librarian there about the this book that's coming out, and he says, oh, let me know when it comes out because he's very interested. They they want to buy a copy and give it a special notation because it actually the book actually occurs on the college grounds there, so. So see, ladies and gentlemen, what Paul has done is he has taken the surroundings that he he knows, the college, Kansas City, Eureka Springs, and he's created this world. And and his characters are amazing characters. You just crawl right into the book with them. You turn the page and you say, well, just one more page, and then, 35 chapters later when you're at the end and the sun's coming up in these, you're going, what happened? I missed a whole night's sleep, and it's all Paul's fault because he <laughs> writes so well, and he engages his readers so well in his books, you cannot put it down. So the, you don't have a title for this fourth book yet, correct? No, I don't have a title yet for it. I don't I don't know. Uh, but uh, the other thing about it. The thing goes also back to it is that because uh, the book carries that it's kind of his mother again uh, was uh, a student there at this at the Crowder College, and she created this kind of a secret little club called the Sergeant's Club, which dates back also to the Camp Crowder days because there was an actual Sergeant's Club, and there's. He's finding out that he wanted to take the summer off and not have any cases and just kind of spend it with his family and and everyone and just have a good time and and it shows up that he uh, that at a birthday party his neighbor shows up with a dagger out of hanging out of her back and dying and begging him to take the case of who killed her because she doesn't know who it was and and that's how this case begins so oh you evil man yeah you are so evil yeah that's what i'm hearing from people (laughs) so we don't know when this one's coming out, ladies and gentlemen, because he, he takes his time. That's why his books are so good. So if you want to connect with Paul, there's two there's several ways to do it. And I'm going to let Paul tell you because we are slowly but surely edging toward the end of the hour, if you can believe it or not. Yeah, you can go on to my website. Uh, it's at tsmulvey.com. That's M-U-L-V-A-U-G-H. And I've got, you can contact me there, or you can go on to Facebook for Thomas S. Mulvey and connect with me there. That's probably the best way, because I put updates and stuff about the books that are coming and, and ideas and everything on there. So, so you, and you also give little tidbits and all that good stuff, like yes. going, on, oh, yes. going on Google Maps and looking for places to hide bodies. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, he did that. Because I saw it and I went, oh, my Lord, here come the the, the safety police. There comes the black van sitting. It. See, now that would be a perfect book for you to write. Oh, I know, yes. <laughs> the writer yep. that's always looking over his shoulder for a black <laughs> van. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, have a, I had one lady contact me. She couldn't figure out what in the world because I have a tendency to blend – uh, real things and real places that's in the cities and pl- and towns, along with the, what is the make believe and and she came to Cassville and she was upset because she couldn't find uh, the the little tailor shop that I have for my character and it's not there. It's it's since she couldn't figure it out. It's part of a drugstore that's that way. So. <laughs> Oh, my word, you are an evil man, so evil. Now, tell the folks where they can find your books, my friend. Uh, They can find them all on Amazon. Uh, There's both the the print and Kindle versions there. And you can also, if you want an autographed copy, you can get it from my website there. 
And are you going to be doing any book signings anytime soon? Yeah, got a couple coming up. Uh, got one twenty third. That's in uh, it's in my hometown of Cassville at the History Museum. And then I have another one that's going to be with Leanne and a couple other uh, fellow authors, and it's going to be in the Osho at the library there the following yeah. week. And and Osho is a very small little town that if you blink, you'll miss it, right? Yeah, kind of so. And Castle's even smaller, so. <laughs> so you're going to keep me up to date on this fourth book so you can come back and we can talk about it? I'm sure will. Okay. So I want to thank you. Don't hang up, but I, before we get too far into the into the closing, I want to thank you again, my dear friend, for coming and entertaining me tonight. I needed it in the worst kind of way. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, if you haven't read his books, go to Amazon and look up Thomas S. Mulvey. It's Blood Necklace, Blood Curse, and Bloodstained City. And read them in that order because they are absolutely amazing. You will you will be hooked forever. I'm telling you, he just he just drags you right into the story, kicking and screaming, and you don't want to go, but you can't help yourself. It's like watching a train wreck. You cannot help yourself. You just have to do it. And then the sun comes up, and you have to go to work, and you go to work with bloodshot eyes because you've had no sleep. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, he's that kind of writer. So I want to say thank you, Paul, for coming and spending an hour with me again. It, it's always a pleasure. I, I have so much fun with you. I've, I learned so many things when you come on the show. And ladies and gentlemen, I am taking tomorrow night off, but I will be back on Saturday night with music artist Ron Antonia. He is an indie artist, and I do have some of his music. I'll be playing it and talking with him at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time, so join us then. And then next week we start off the week with even more indie music artists, so join us. But as you all know, um, I say things at the end of the show that I truly, truly mean, and I truly live by them. It is important that I live by them. And one of those things is, is people will forget what you look like, they'll forget your name, they'll forget what you're wearing, but they'll never forget how you make them feel. And we're all traveling a journey, and we don't know what that other person is going through in their life. And if you get a hold of a customer service rep or you stand in line in front and behind somebody that you just want to throttle because they they don't know how to smile, they don't even want to be there, there's something going on in their life. So what you do is you smile and speak to them. And be kind to them because they will always remember how you've made them feel. And and it is my hope and my desire that every guest that comes on this show and every listener that tunes in understands you're the most important person in the room. I always want you to understand that, that it is not a, just a feeling with me. It is a way of life. And if you want to achieve greatness, ladies and gentlemen, please stop asking permission because Paul will tell you, They're not going to give it to you. Nobody is going to give you permission to be great. You just go out and be great because you are great. You are special. Don't just feel special. You are special. And with that being said, I want to wish you all a good evening. I want to thank Paul for being with us again. He is a regular on the show. Go on Facebook and look him up. If you can't find him under Thomas Mulvey, look him up under Paul Adam Hurd. He'll direct you to Thomas Mulvey. Go on Amazon and get his books, and he will be back to um, talk about the fourth in the series that takes place at his old college, which is also known as Camp Pompey. Paul, thank you, my dear, for once again coming and playing with me for an hour. I can't wait for you to come back. Well, thank you for having me. And keep smiling, and do yourself a favor. Stop looking for the black van. (laughs) Okay, I'll try that. (laughs) (laughs) And keep me updated so we'll know when that fourth book comes out. And you know I'm going to put everything up and tag you in it. I don't have to have that discussion with you. So, ladies and gentlemen, with that being said, we will see you again on Saturday night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time here at Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, Paul Adam Hurd, who writes as Thomas S. 
Mulvey. Remember that. Thomas S. Mulvey. M-U-L-A-H. V-A-U-G-H. I'm sorry. And we will see you again Saturday night. Until then, good night. Okay, my dear. Thank you so, so much for for spending an hour with me. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for reminding me. It was a, the hour flew by. Okay, well, thank you for having me. All right, darling, and I'll put everything up and tag you in it. Okay, and I'll share it all over, please. All right, honey, talk to you later. Ah, uh, then, uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye.